0: Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is July 13th. Happy Monday to everyone. This is a cool episode for a number of reasons. First of all, um, this is the first time I think that I've ever recorded in the middle of the day. Uh, I think I've talked a little bit about this before. Uh, I, I typically get up early, um, do some writing, record podcasts and stuff like that uh, early in the morning when everybody else is still sleeping. And there's just something strange about that time of the day. I mean, I think I do some of my best work at that time of the day, but at the same time, it's also very difficult to, uh, you know, to be loud, to be spontaneous, to be, uh, just in the frame of mind. I think that you kind of need to be, to be engaging, uh, verbally on a podcast. And so that's a struggle that I've had and, um, I'm working on it. Um, but today for some reason it just worked out that nobody was at the house. I had the house to myself and I was able to, uh, record this episode, uh, in the middle of the day. So interesting. And I, I already feel kind of a difference, you know, a different vibe. Um, it's just great. So that's fun. And then the other piece too, is that we have finally moved out of some of the darker stuff in controversy theory. We, you know, we, we walk through Satan's game plan, which is revenge. We talked about temptation. Uh, the fact that temptation comes in many different flavors. Uh, we talked about personal temptation plans and how Satan and his damaging demons are out there, um, you know, actively pursuing each and every one of us. And that you know, there's a there's a plan for each of us how how to get us to fall easily, how to get us to trip up on on simple things that um, that they have figured out are our Achilles heel or or something that really is um, dangerous for us, something that we fall into pretty easily. So again, we're moving out of that and we're moving into um, some other fun stuff as we kind of hit the back end of of controversy theory in this series. So. Again, welcome, and let's jump into our minute of transparency. So earlier this week, I was, I can't remember where I was at, if I was driving or if I was just uh, sitting and kind of working on some stuff, but um, I started thinking about this concept of missing the mark. Um, You know, Transcend Human is all about rising above the human condition, about making good decisions based on... Uh, learning more and more and more about the controversy around us and how we can best avoid Satan's temptations and make better decisions, things like that. And as I was thinking about that, I, I remember back uh, years now. I can't even remember how long ago it was, but uh, I was I was at a church service listening to a uh, a weekend message, and the the person speaking had a rope, I believe, stretched uh, all the way from one edge of the uh, the stage to the other. Uh, it, you know, it was held up at about probably waist length, waist height, or something like that. Um, and it was stretched, you know, clear across the entire stage. And in the middle of the rope, uh, he had taken, and I think he just used a sharpie, and and literally marked a circle around the rope with a sharpie. And you couldn't really see it from where you were sitting, but you know when the camera would pan in and, and get really close to the rope, you could see that mark on the rope. And the whole concept, like the whole the, the summary of the entire message, was this concept of missing the mark, um, and it was it was about how we live our lives and the things that we are living for, and ultimately which part of the rope we were living for. So the the question was, are we living for the mark, or the little scratch that you can see on the rope, or are we living for eternity, which is kind of what the rope represented, right? Uh, The scratch was, or the little mark on the rope, was to signify our time on earth, and how simple and how small it is in comparison to the fact that uh, God has existed forever, and that once our world is past, and Heaven takes over; um, it will never end. And so, when you look at it in that light, and look at this rope stretched across the stage, and you realize that you know we are such an insignificant little piece of that rope, um, it really, you know, kind of makes you think about how you're living your life and the fact that you know we can get so caught up in everything to do with the mark or with a little scratch on the rope you know, our our careers and our things that we buy and our money and our relationships and all the little things, not that relationships are bad, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, people put so much time and energy into the here and now and and having everything that they feel like they need to have here on earth when at the end of the day, the future just stretches on in front of us endlessly. And And what if we were living... For that instead of the mark. So anyway, just a, an interesting thing that popped back into my head as I was thinking about Transcend Human this week, because um, at the end of the day, this is really what Transcend Human is all about, right? Learning how we can rise above the human condition and live for something greater than the scratch or the mark. So it's also a good intro to this week's content. Uh, the basic assumption this week is choices form habits which develop character. So let's jump into that. And in this episode, we're going to talk about casting your vote, living your vote, making good choices, forming good habits, and developing your character. So number one, cast your vote. As we've been fleshing out controversy, we've talked a lot about the sin virus and its impact on the human condition. Uh, We talked about Jesus coming to earth as part of God's rescue mission and that his death on the cross really created the antidote to the sin virus. And we've also talked a lot about this idea of an eternal election, right? That there are two candidates and that every person on earth uh, from beginning to the end of time um, has this ability to cast their vote at some point in their lives for one candidate or the other. Uh, We also understand that voting is not a choice, right? Unlike in our political elections, where you can kind of choose to vote or not to vote, the eternal election doesn't really give you that option, because choosing not to vote is actually a vote for the incumbent. And we've talked about that, that in this case, it's really Satan, because Satan was cast down to earth. And because we followed Satan, we we chose to give in to his temptation in that that first early uh, moment of history at the Tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, that Satan basically was given dominion over the earth for a period of time. So today, we're going to spend a few minutes going over the importance of your vote. So, you know, it's funny to watch TV and scroll through social media right now because there's a constant barrage of celebrities pointing out messages like these. Rock the vote. Your vote matters. There is no change without your vote. You only have one vote. Use it. Silence means you're against change, and any any and every variation of this. And obviously, it's not just celebrities, um, but it's influencers. It's it's friends that you know on social media that are reposting content. And it's a it's very evident that the whole concept of voting is a big deal right now, just given the situation we're in in the world with coronavirus the uh, Trump presidency and some of the, um, you know, the difficulties that that's posed for people, uh, some of the chaos that's kind of uh, occurred over time in this presidency, um, you know, people have risen up and, and voting is, you know, just been thrown out there as obviously this is your way to change everything. So the interesting piece to this is seeing how worked up people can get over voting in an election that determines who will run our country for four years, right? Right. Like when you really think about it, people are putting all of this energy and all of this anger and all of this, um, you know, all these social media posts and all this content online, all for the next four years. And yeah, it's important. Don't get me wrong. But in the grand scheme of things, the election going on between God and Satan is for eternity. It's forever. And it isn't just about being comfortable or, or uncomfortable for four years. It's about whether you live forever or not whether you live forever or you are forever separated from God. So this is why the eternal election is so important. And this is why our vote is the most important decision we can make in life. Uh, As we talk today about choices, habits, and character, we must first talk about the vote, because without the vote, everything else is a waste of time. In order to explain this, I'm gonna pull in some churchy words, some Christianese, if you will, uh, you know, just to help us understand two very important concepts. Uh, those of you who've grown up in the church will recognize these words. Those of you who did not grow up in the church will be like, oh my word, what does that mean? So those two words are justification and sanctification. And uh, like every other concept in Christianity, you know, the relationship between the two is often debated. There are opposing sides, you know, that push that one is more important than the other. Um you know, maybe you've heard it explained or talked about in this way. Grace versus works, faith versus legalism, uh, accepting versus doing. Uh, the The basic gist is this. Uh, one side believes that the only way to get to heaven is to accept the antidote to the sin virus. The other side believes that if you do enough, you will be worthy of the antidote to the sin virus. Two very different views on our our role in the controversy. And then obviously there's every, you know, iteration in between. But controversy theory wants to be very clear that it believes the first statement, that the only way to get to heaven and live forever is to accept the antidote to the sin virus. It isn't something you work for, it's a gift. We don't have enough money to buy it and there is nothing we can ever do to earn it. In fact, we have done some things in our lives that suggest we don't really deserve the antidote. And yet God is there offering it to us anyway. So justification is the first of the two terms. And it's, it's really the same thing as, as accepting the antidote to the sin virus. Like if you really want to just summarize it and net it out, uh, justification is accepting the antidote to the sin virus similar to voting for God in the eternal election. This is step one, the most important decision we can make in life. And if you haven't completed step one, there's really no point in talking about step two, because it really doesn't matter. So let's define justification a little bit more using the dictionary. So dictionary.com explains justification as the act of God, whereby mankind or humankind is made or accounted just, or free from guilt, or penalty of sin. Lots and lots of words in there, but again, similar to what we talked about, accepting the antidote to the sin virus, it's a an act whereby God has allowed Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sin. Now, when I was younger, I can still remember learning, um, you know, about these kinds of concepts as I was in uh, church school and just my parents and, and I guess weekend messages that I heard in in church things like that but nothing stuck with me more uh, than I think it was my parents who taught me the best way to understand justification is to find the root word which is justified and then deconstruct it and allow it to interpret itself so the root word justified If you say it like this, just as if I'd never sinned, let me say it again, the word justified, if you break it down and say it this way, just as if I'd never sinned, helps to explain itself very well. And therein lies the meaning, right? So when we accept the antidote to the sin virus and the vote for God in the eternal election, God views us just as if we'd Never sinned. He looks at us as if we are perfect, just like Jesus was perfect. So, this is why our vote or accepting the antidote is the most important thing we can do in our life because that one decision provides us a lifelong status of being justified. So, let me illustrate with a couple uh, examples that might help. Uh, A good example that I've seen of this is getting your driver's license, right? You spend much of your life having to be driven around by other people Um, you have to rely on them to get you places and then at some point in your life you start studying and practicing how to drive and eventually you take your written written test you take your driven test and then you get your license and when they hand you that license for the first time it's an exhilarating feeling of freedom right something that you will have for the rest of your life and something that can't really be taken away from you unless you do some really stupid things Similarly, another good example is uh, graduating that final time. Maybe it's from high school, maybe it's from college, a trade school, graduate school, etc. For me, it was I guess the final time I graduated was from graduate school when I got my MSW. And for so many years I had been in school, studying, writing papers, taking tests, you know, struggling at times to just keep putting one foot forward in front of the other. But on that day, walking down the aisle with cap and gown, Um, it was that exhilarating feeling all over again, right? They hand you that piece of paper, and it's like something that you're going to have for the rest of your life, something that you worked hard for and something that no one can ever take away from you. And so it is with justification, not so much the working hard part, but just that pivotal moment in your life when you make the decision to accept the antidote, you pull the lever, you cast your vote, uh, and as long as it was a sincere vote... That will be the defining moment in your life, a moment that no one can ever take away from you. Step one. So number two, live your vote. That's right. You accept the antidote, you cast your vote, and you're done, right? I mean, I guess if you really want to get technical about it, the Bible does suggest that there is only one way to attain eternal life, and that's by accepting the antidote to the sin virus. But then what do you do about the rest of your life? And what do you do about the rest of the Bible? I mean, the Bible is chock full of advice, recommendations, direction, training, and even commands. Are we supposed to just throw all that out just because we're safe? I can't imagine that that would be the right course of action. In fact, it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be a little bit like this scenario? Let's say a man gets pulled over for speeding. The police officer tells him why he was pulled over, runs all of his information, then he gives him a quick little pep talk letting him go with a warning. The man thanks the police officer, gets back in his car, starts his car, squeals his tires, and gets right back up to 100 in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. Does that sound right to you? Of course not. When you are forgiven for something or just given a warning, uh, you know something that you should have wound up being punished for or getting in trouble for, you are typically more aware of your behavior and try to modify it. And so it is with our lives. When we accept the antidote to the sin virus, the temptation to sin is still there. It doesn't necessarily go away on its own. Satan is actually going to work harder on you because he's his plan for revenge is sort of falling apart. I mean, when Satan sees somebody trying to make a good decision or sees them trying to vote for God, there is nothing more important to him than making sure that doesn't happen. And so he's obviously going to work 10 times as hard to try to get you to follow him in his way. So from this point on, um, it really becomes a choice for us, right? It has to be a choice to be different, to live different, and to focus on what is important. In essence, it's that whole transcend human philosophy that we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. The whole idea behind transcend human is this concept of rising above the human condition, doing the next right thing. And in essence, this is the other word we're going to talk about today called sanctification. So the dictionary, again, defines sanctification as to make holy, set apart as sacred, or consecrate. So even more churchy words, right? Uh, But in a nutshell, sanctification is this process of listening to the Holy Spirit through our conscience in order to make positive changes, to level up, to transcend human, however you want to refer to it, It's just taking that next right step that's before you in your life. So again, justification is a one-time event that changes your life forever. And sanctification is the lifelong process of changing your life for the better. Let me say that again. Justification is the one-time event that changes your life forever. Sanctification is the lifelong process of changing your life for the better. So this journey doesn't really start until you are justified, right? I mean, that doesn't mean you have to be justified first. You can make positive decisions in your life and you can, you know, try to make you, yourself a better person, completely devoid of God, of justification, of any of those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, what is the point? What are you doing it for? What, like, what is your motivation for being better? When it comes to sanctification, what you start to realize is that the whole process really begins when you fully realize the gift you were given through justification, through the antidote to the sin virus. And the changes you make from then on are not changes just to make changes. They're not changes because somebody's telling you you have to. They're actually changes you make because you can't imagine not making them. Like you are, you are so grateful for the gift that God gave you that you look at the small incremental changes that you're making in your life as the least you can do. Number three. Now let's move into the conversations about choices, habits, and character. So number three is making good choices. So when we begin this whole process of sanctification, uh, it typically plays out in the following way. Choices form habits which develop character and we're starting with the smallest little piece, the choice. So here are some important things to understand about making choices. First, our freedom of choice came from our creator. We must acknowledge that if we are to fully appreciate it. Next, even in terms of, um, or in situations that happen to us, we get to respond the way that we choose. It's our choice how we respond to things that happen to us. Uh, And this choice is really called attitude, and it is so powerful. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the statement, success is 5% talent and 95% attitude, and that is really quite true. Uh, Another concept is the whole idea that choice equals control. So when we believe that we have the ability to make decisions, we feel more in control of our lives. And finally, we must understand the fact that choice does not equal blame. So the sooner we understand this, the better, because we have the ability to make decisions and choose how we respond to things that happen to us. Because of that, the following statements are true. No one can make us feel, think, or behave in any certain way. Now, I know this is one of those truths that we love to hate, right? On the surface, it can be explained to us, and we agree with it. But on the other hand, when a person does something that really ticks us off, and we immediately feel angry we want to blame it on them right we say well they made me so angry uh, which completely goes against the statement we just agreed was true and this is where the feelings get the better of us so feelings are that one piece of us that we don't really have direct control over Uh, when something bad happens to us feelings are generally going to pop out of nowhere and just automatically present themselves to us but we do have indirect control over our feelings by choosing to think or behave in a different way. We can indirectly control those feelings and manage them in that way. So to wrap things up, um, we can, we can kind of place choices into two pretty simple categories. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but we should at least acknowledge them. So you can make mundane choices and you can make eternal choices. So mundane choices are those boring and inconsequential choices that we make day in and day out. What shirt to put on in the morning, what route to take to work, Mac or PC, blah, blah, blah. All of those choices that really mean next to nothing. But then we also have eternal choices, and eternal choices are those ones that have eternal consequences, either for you or for those around you. So our vote in the eternal election, for example, is one of the biggest eternal choices we can make how we treat other people, choosing whether or not we steal, choosing whether or not we're honest, um, things like that. And obviously, you have good and bad choices in each of those categories, right? So you can make good mundane choices, and you can make bad mundane choices, and you can make good eternal choices, and you can make bad eternal choices. But that's basically a summary of choosing. Number four, forming good habits. So habits are things that you form after you string together a bunch of little choices, either good or bad. So similar to choices, habits can be mundane or eternal. Uh, Mundane habits are habits that we form in order to get stuff done, really. These habits are super helpful in processing large amounts of information, taking complex processes and making them almost automatic. For example, your morning or bedtime routines, you can probably almost do those in your sleep, right? Because you've done them so many times. Similarly, after you've driven home from work 100 times, your brain can almost go on autopilot, which is scary when you think about it. You know that feeling when you realize that you haven't been paying attention for at least three miles. These are all things that are helpful to us because they're habits, right? They're habits that are formed and then we can knock those things out almost without thinking. So those are obviously two things that were helpful to us, but there are also bad habits that form and cause trouble in our life. So for example, an alcoholic forms the habit of stopping by the bar after work every night. At the beginning, you actually have to think about it, right? You have to make a conscious decision to head in the right direction, to pull into the parking lot, and to go into the bar. But after time, once that habit is formed, the car almost drives itself there after work every single day. And it gets really bad when you realize that the habit has so ingrained that even when you try to do something different, it pulls you, pulls you back trying to get you to do the same thing. Oftentimes the habit is so strong that you can decide in your head in the middle of the day, I'm not going to the bar tonight. But you pull out, your car turns, and you literally just turn right into the parking lot. And the list goes on and on. There's so many other things that we can easily form habits for or over, um, whether good or bad, and they become habits that can control our future. Mundane habits, eternal habits. Eternal habits are habits we form that have an eternal impact on us or those around us, similar to the choices, right? There can either be good eternal habits or bad eternal habits. A good eternal habit would be something like, you know, choosing to read uplifting books, right? Books that help you grow spiritually or keep your mind focused on the important things in life. Once this habit is formed, you are more likely to pick up a book like this at a bookstore rather than a trashy magazine. A bad eternal habit could be something like, you know, falling down the dark hole of social media. And I don't want to bash too much on social media because we all use it and we all understand that, you know, there's good and there's bad, but But if you really go down the dark hole of social media, you know, getting overly involved in it, believing everything you see and read, um, allowing it to drive your purchases, allowing it to determine if you have a good day or a bad day, listening to the negative comments people make about you, um, you know, leading to anxiety or depression. I mean, it's dangerous stuff, especially for teenagers looking for their true identity. You know, once a habit like this is formed, it's really difficult to put the phone down and to choose to live Differently, or to live in reality after being so caught up in social media. Again, I don't want to bash social media, but just like everything else, Satan has found a way to corrupt even good things. So, you know, for some people, social media is no big deal. They're on it, you know, an hour a day. They, they keep in touch with their friends. It's a great tool to help them. But for others, it becomes their Achilles heel and becomes a habit that can take them to a very dark place. Number five, developing your character. So finally we have character. Character is developed over time and is the combination of all of your choices and habits over time. Uh, It can be looked at as kind of the the eventual outcome, the sum of the parts, the inevitable result over time. Controversy theory uh, views the character as your spiritual DNA it becomes so ingrained in you that it can literally impact your state of medical and mental health over time. For those of you who've taken a science class at any point in your life, you understand what DNA is, right? If a scientist does DNA testing on a piece of your hair, they are able to match that hair to a hair found at a crime scene with almost 100% certainty. And so it is with your spiritual DNA. When people really start to analyze you and to try to figure out who you are on the inside, they are able to match you to one of two people, either God or Satan. So on the God side, after making good choices, forming good habits, and developing a character after God's own heart, you start to look more like God. On the Satan side, obviously, after making poor choices, forming bad habits, and eventually developing the character more like Satan, that becomes self-evident to people as well. Now don't take this too literally, I mean, we don't start growing a halo um, or small red horns in a tail, depending on our choices over time. It's much more subtle than that. In fact, it's much more like a standard bell curve. Most of us are in the middle. If you've ever taken an advanced math class or a statistics class, I'm sure you've seen the bell curve with the standard deviations. Um, for, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, feel free to go to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast, um, and look up this episode. So this is episode CT 12 BAO or ba 11, um, choices, form habits, which develop character. And in the show notes, I've got a uh, graphic that shows what a bell curve is with the standard deviations and all of that, but I'll also go through it. Um, just so that you have a better understanding of what I'm talking about. So, if you've ever seen the the standard bell curve, um, you know you people have spent years of their lives studying concepts like this. But it's a, it's an important piece for us today because um, when it comes to spiritual DNA, this is probably a good represent, representation of how uh, people shake out in the world. So, if one end of the graph was good character and the other was bad character there would most likely be close to 68% of us right in the middle with weak spiritual DNA. Very difficult to tell us apart from each other. Then there would be two groups of people that make up around 27% that you would probably identify as having good or bad character. Next, you would have two groups making up about 4% um, with very strong spiritual DNA in one way or the other, either good or bad. And then finally, you have 0.2% of the population, and these are referred to as outliers because they are so far away from the average that these people are drastically one on one side or the other, right? Strangely different. So in terms of spiritual DNA, these people would either be um, extremely diligent, either toward the good or toward the bad, or we would refer to them as fanatical in terms of their beliefs. So, looking at the bell curve, people often think that being in the middle or in the dark blue region uh, on the graphic is a good thing. But controversy theory disagrees, obviously. Uh, if this bell curve signified the grades that every student in your math class got, would you want to be right in the middle? No, of course not. You'd want to be up there in the 2.1%, probably getting a overall score of 98% in the class. And so it is with spiritual DNA. Being in the middle means that you really don't give a crap. It means that you're just skating through life, making as many bad decisions as you make good ones, right? Okay with being average. And that's what transcend human calls us to be, right? It calls out of us. It says, rise above the human condition. Be more tomorrow than you are today. Keep working at it as you grow and learn. Now, before we finish up today, I really need to reiterate the fact that we broke today's episode up into two sections, cast your vote and live your vote. Step one and step two. I think we made it pretty clear that casting your vote is the most important step, right? Justification is the only thing that ensures we get to live with our creator forever. So let's land the plane. Ask yourself this week, these simple questions. Have I cast my vote? Step one get it done. Next, what are some good eternal choices you can make today or tomorrow? Choices you've been fluctuating on in the past, but need to get right from now on. Next, what are some good eternal habits that you can form by simply choosing to start doing them more and more often? And finally, where is your character on the bell curve? Uh, if, If you're somewhere in the middle, what would it take to move in the right direction so that when people analyzed your spiritual DNA, they would immediately say, This one has a good, strong character. You can see it from a distance, it's so strong. Next week, we'll talk about character a little bit more, uh, what it means for us and the world around us. Uh, This episode really set us up well uh, to understand how character is developed, but next week we really need to go into more detail about the role it plays in our lives and how it interacts with our step one decision. Next week is the 12th basic assumption. Our Character Impacts Everything. Uh, Thanks again for joining me. I love getting to hang out with you guys each week, and I hope that this content is really helpful uh, And this whole series on controversy theory, um, that it'll be an, an impactful thing for you and for those you tell about it. So hope you have a great week, and until next time, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the transcend human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing and we'll see you next time.